Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. If you're even somewhat of a country music fan, chances are that you've heard of our next guest. Bobby Bones is the host of The Bobby Bones Show, which has an audience of more than 7 million per week. He's a member of the musical comedy group Bobby Bones and the Raging Idiots and even mentored the top 24 on American Idol this year. His latest book, Fail Until You Don't, Fight, Grind, Repeat, is about how he and some of his famous friends made it through their failures and found their way to enormous success. Welcome to the show, Bobby. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Well, talk to us a little bit about your background, because you grew up in this very small town in Arkansas. So how did you go from this town to being a big, big radio star? Well, I don't know if I'd use the words big, big and star, but my <laughs> transition started. So I, I was born in uh, Mountain Pine, Arkansas, the population 700 people. And there's a sawmill or there was a sawmill and it's, it's since been shut down. And the town is, um, you know, it struggles now. Um, and, you know, my mom had me when she was 15 years old. Um, I don't really know my biological father. And she had a lot of issues with alcohol and, and drug use. She died in her 40s. And so a lot of that was me having to figure out how to raise myself in a lot of ways. Uh, my grandmother was a big influence. I was adopted for a while. And so I kind of had to figure out if I wanted to get out, how to get out. Um, I was the first kid to graduate high school for my family. I was the first kid to graduate college. So, you know, for me, it was there was only one way to, to, to get out of my town to do what I wanted to do. And that was through education. And so I just started learning and studying. And at the same time, when I was 17, I begged for a radio job in my hometown. And that's kind of what started it all. Well, so you obviously had some kind of real internal motivation that got you out of this situation. What advice would you have for somebody else who's listening to this and, and, and thinking, wow, I want to be Bobby Bones one day or my own version of Bobby Bones? What do I do? Well, I think for me, it was kind of realizing that coming from a disadvantage actually can be advantageous because uh, it, it had to me. And, and for a long time, I, I think I was just dwelling in the fact that I had a rough upbringing and I didn't quite understand how mine was supposed to be so rough until I would meet other people. And I would realize that theirs was also rough. And as a matter of fact, it's all relative. And it's not just about what socioeconomic part of the country you come from, you know, where, where you fall on that ladder. And so I started to realize that once I take the skills that I learned from my disadvantage and apply them in the way that I have, which is, you know, for me, it's a strong work ethic. It's a lot of the common sense type things. That's what I wrote my book about. It's, listen, I'm not uh, Socrates, you know, I'm not Gary Vee. My style is this, here, here are the things that I've learned and you can use these every single day. And I hope you use some of them. And for anyone that wants to be like me, I think it's just trying to learn who you are and what actually motivates you. Because I think that's where all our success is. Like, how do we motivate ourselves to success? Because we're all motivated by different things. Forbes called you the most powerful man in country music. How did you get to be called that? Well, I don't know that that's true. I mean, I, it's not true. Listen, I love that quote. Don't get me wrong. When people say that, I think it's the coolest thing ever. I'm oh, like, my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's, it's not true. I don't know that there's a most powerful person in country music. I think Garth Brooks or God are the most powerful people <laughs> in country music. Um, but for me, I, you know, I do have a lot of listeners that, that listen to my show and listen to my podcast. And, you know, it's in the millions per week. And I think just because of the amount of people that I reach, I think eyes and ears 
actually are currency now, you know, more so than dollars and cents. So uh, that's probably why they said that. I can't say that it's true, but that's probably the reason. We mentioned that the title of your book is Fail Until You Don't, Fight, Grind, and Repeat. And under the fight section, one of the, the, the subtitles is not everyone is going to like you. Now, here you've got millions of people listening every week. How can you think not everyone is going to like you? It sounds like you've got a, a, a lot of popularity there. I think I found my niche. And inside of that niche, like when I came to Nashville to be the guy, you know, I have by far the biggest country music show. And I think my show is the most syndicated show in any music format. Um, so, and it looks again on Instagram, very cute. And look at this, uh, large galaxy that, that he's built. But when I came to Nashville, I was on about 30 radio stations, you know, I'd been doing pop and I was on, you know, 30 or so stations there. And I, I, cause I'd built my own company, but I wasn't the guy that anyone wanted to be country. Like I knew I was from Arkansas. I knew that my sensibilities matched to most of the country music format. Uh, but I didn't have a belt buckle. I didn't have a cowboy hat. And everyone that did and everyone that had those, we'll call them for the sake of this conversation, older style sensibilities, did not want me to succeed because they felt it represented something that wasn't them succeeding, which meant they wouldn't succeed. Now, that hasn't been the case. I think there's room in this format for lots of different people, including myself, who I'm playing to the consumer. I'm not a genre guy. I'm not someone who believes that people have a phone. They only listen to one format. I play hip hop on my country music morning show. So I think with the success of my show, the people that were doing the opposite of what I'm doing felt threatened and which wasn't correct because there are a lot of great country music guys that are super traditional, but that's where I faced a lot of my pushback at first. And, you know, I think most of the town, most of the industry did not like me for a long time. I think a lot of them still don't even today. But I don't. I just think generally in life, if you have any sort of opinion at all, at all, some people aren't going to agree with that opinion. So you can either be uh, warmly greeted by a hundred percent of the people and really not have a lot or an agenda to push across, or you can have something you're super passionate about and put it out there and have some disagree with you, but also some really agree with you and kind of split it you know, 50-50. So, you know, that's kind of how I live mine. I, I have what I believe in. I have what I love. And I put it out there and I find the people that also uh, have a similar viewpoint. And I thought that something that was really cool about your story from the first book was that you ended up getting all of this negative press and you started it yourself, but that grew you to have this enormous following. Can you tell us a little more about that? Well, yeah. I mean, the negative press at first was super organic because everybody hated me. But um, (laughs) what I decided was there was so much negative energy going into what I was doing. It was every blog, every trade magazine. You know, there were constant articles about how I was a failure, how I was no good, how I wasn't authentic to what the format was. Meanwhile, I was and I am the country music consumer. You know, I think there's a, a separation in people's mind who actually produce or work in the industry of, you know, what the consumer actually does. I feel like I'm a consumer-minded creator. And so for me, I was the consumer, but I'm, I'm feeling all this heat, and it's constant. And I think, how can I take that energy that's being shoved at me in this negative way and actually just ride the wave? So instead of punching into the wave, I just wanted to get a surfboard and ride it. So what I did was I bought four massive billboards. I spent many thousands of dollars. And right in the middle of Nashville, 
And these billboards were completely white. And I put the letters, go away, Bobby Bones, on the billboard. So if you're driving through Nashville, you see these humongous billboards that say, go away, Bobby Bones. You couldn't track them back because I had created a fake company to actually purchase the billboards through. Um, There was no other logo or emblem. And so people were going, who wants Bobby to go away? Or who is Bobby? Or I agree. But all of this was happening but people were talking about it. And so people are either learning about me, feeling sorry for me, or agreeing. And really all I wanted was for people to give me a chance. And so I rode the wave into people turning my show on to hear what I was going to say next or how I was going to react to this negative press. And so, yeah, I wrote that. I was able to keep it secret for three years, and I put it in my first book. And that's how people found out about it. You know, you seem like somebody who's pretty fearless, would you characterize yourself that way? I think I'm pretty scared of everything. I mean, I, I think there's a fine line between the two, between being fearless and able to lower your head into everything at all, or just being so scared of everything that you're trying everything. And, um, you know, it, it's a, a single step that separates the two. But yeah, I'm petrified that I'm going to be found out as what I think I am. I, I think, you know, I'm quite the talent fraud. I don't really have anything about me that's dynamic. I'm not a great speaker, yet I talk to millions of people on the radio. I'm not that good of a writer. I've written two books now that you know, have, have done well. I, you know, I can't sing, and I have two number one records. So for me, I've just found all these ways to a bit trick the system, and I keep waiting to be found out. And <laughs> I, I, even, I even talk about it openly. I'm like, guys, I'm not good at this stuff. And so for me, it's I'm I'm a little scared that it's all going to fall apart, so I'm a bit diversifying my portfolio. But at the same time, I'm doing the things that I love to do. So I don't have to be good at them to try to do them. Um, so I love you know doing stand-up comedy, and that that's a passion of mine. And I'm on the road, you know, doing 60 shows a year in theaters all across the country. And there's a lot of bombing at first because you can't really practice jokes in your mirror. You have to go out and practice jokes into a crowd. It's a different skill set than the radio. So no. I think if anything, I'm numb to fear and maybe that creates a sense of fearlessness. But if anything, you know, I'm running scared more than anyone. But how do you just get yourself to face these fears head on, even though you're afraid? Well, if you don't have anything, it's you don't have the fear of losing it. And so especially early in my career, I I didn't come from money at all. I mean, the opposite. You know, I was a, a food stamp kid, welfare kid. And so it wasn't a big deal for me to try these grandiose ideas because so what if I failed? What was I even? I was back at even, you know, you don't, I didn't lose anything. And so a bit of that philosophy has just stuck with me the whole time. You know, I, as I mentioned, I didn't grow up in the best environment. I'm pretty good at being poor. And if I lose everything that I have now financially, like I'm good. Like I, I I don't do this for that anyway. And so, um, I, I think that's what it comes down to. It's that um, there's nothing for me to lose at this point. I'm playing with, as they say in Vegas, house money is all extra. I don't do it for the money. So, you know, it's uh, just chasing, chasing passions. One of the things you talk about in the book is the art of sucking it up. Tell us more about that. No, I mean, I think that sometimes you just have to uh, stop feeling sorry for yourself. I think it's easy to fall into that trap of, you know, uh, this sucks for me. Sometimes you got to suck it up and, you know, not even believe your own press, not even talking about 
presses if you have to have a media job. I mean, I'm talking to teachers. I'm talking to people that work in an office. I'm talking to parents, you know, I, uh, not to, you know, see everybody else's good things that are going on and feel sorry for yourself. You just got to suck it up and step in a direction. You know, I think one thing that I even learned about myself from this book was it, it kind of reinforced as I started to break it down within me was it really doesn't matter which direction you're going as long as you're moving, because even if you're moving in the wrong direction, you're learning something. And the worst thing we can do is sit still because sitting still, there is absolutely no knowledge gained. So let's say you are torn about having two jobs, you know, do you move across the city and take this job or do you stay with this job that you're currently at now? You're not as fulfilled, but you're going to get a little raise. Let's say you make the wrong decision. That's actually okay because you just learned that was the wrong decision. So I'm much more prone now to actually going out and, and, and taking chances on things, even if I'm not super sure about it, because I, I just don't think we're ever sure about anything uh, because we're still gaining knowledge. And so many of my friends will sit and just wonder, you know, what should I do? I'm torn. Should I try this? But all that time they've spent wondering is either time they could have been succeeding or learning. And so I, I think those are kind of the two avenues that I try to go down. Based on your experience, what traits do you think that all successful people have in common? I think that they, it does, when it doesn't work out, they get back up. Because I don't know anyone who's a success by trying it once. Not only anyone. I mean, I put my friends in my book who are super successful. And they've all failed massively on grand stages. And so to me, I did a TED Talk that actually led to this book. It was called Winning by Losing. And to me, that's where it all comes in. That's the separator. It's when it doesn't work out, did you learn from it? And are you going to get back up and use that? And you're probably not going to figure it out the next time. And as long as you're okay with that, I think that's what separates whatever we define as success. You know, I think sometimes success is money. Sometimes it's really success is just fulfillment. So when I say success, that's what that means to me. And I think the people that are the most fulfilled are the ones that continue chasing that fulfillment, even through the setbacks. Well, so the subtitle of your book is Fight, Grind, and Repeat. And you say those three simple words have been enough to shift your psychological state from defeat to, if not victory, at least the will to stay in the game. Take us behind those words a little bit, behind fight, grind, and repeat. Yeah, for me, it was I needed to build a road to drive my car down. I needed to get from point A to point B, and words are a big part of my life. And so I had to develop some sort of mantra. And I believe those three just came on a random day. I'd been working many, many days in a row, and I was just toast. Mentally, physically, I was toast. And so I thought, what can I do? What are the words that I'm going to use? And those three words came out, and what the fight is is actually determining what the goal is. You know, that's the fight. Like, you're going to get yourself into the fight. The fight is – Let's walk up. Let's figure it out. The grind is once you start to do it, all the things that you're doing, all the little things that no one knows you're doing. So you've developed and you've, you've stated what your goal is. You've started the fight. The grind is day 17 at 2 p.m. You know, no one sees you day 17 at 2 p.m. Uh, but are you willing to hang in and, and grind it out? And if you are, when it fails, are you willing to start over and do it again? And that's where repeat comes in because the repeat's the hardest part. We, we all you know, feel disappointment. And, you know, when a setback hits us, we, you know, kind of recoil a bit, but can you get back up and do it again? And if you can, then 
I think that's that, that's how you achieve whatever success you're searching for, and that, that's where fight grind repeat came from. There, there's no, you know, uh, master literature book of wizardry that I, I follow to, <laughs> to make that saying up. It, I think I just woke up and was like, "What in the world can I say to myself?" And I wrote it down, and yeah, and that, that's kind of the, the template. In the book, you don't just talk about your own stories because, like we mentioned, you talk with famous friends of yours that have made it through their own challenges. What experiences surprised you the most that they went through? You know, I think for me, it was really cool to see other people suck at things. Like, yeah. And I think that's why I wrote the book. So I wouldn't feel alone and I didn't want other people to feel alone. And so as I'm reading through them, and they're all different from Chris Stapleton talking about his family to the governor of Arkansas talking about losing two major races to Walker Hayes talking about his alcohol abuse. You know, I just didn't feel so alone. So it wasn't one of those where I went, oh, this person's really moves me. It was all of them together. I go, oh, this is so common and we're not sharing it with each other. So it feels so foreign when it happens to us because you, your buddy's not coming up to you going, ah, oh, man, you know, I really suck today. You know, mostly we're just posting things on Instagram about uh, when we're sucking in our gut, looking in the mirror. And that's when I wrote the book, what I wanted to come away with was not feeling so alone. And I know if I read this and, and I did, I read all these stories they sent me. Uh, Andy Roddick, who's a close friend of mine, like he really opened up about losing that massive match and what it's done to his life. And I went, man, OK, I'm not the only one who sucks at things and who sucks a lot. So for me, I think that was a big takeaway, and I, and I hope that that's what people who read the book feel, just not so alone because we're all doing it. We're just not talking about it. Right, and you go on social media, and everybody has a new house or a vacation in Hawaii or a fabulous tan or, a, you know, whatever. I mean, it's all about success, and, and nobody wants to talk about failure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I look at Instagram, and I want all that stuff too. And so I, I, I feel like everyone else feels I think that I'm hopefully just able to take a step behind it and go, this is what's really back here. Like, look behind the curtain. If I can go back to the, you know, 19, I don't know, when was the Wizard of Oz? Like 1700s? Back in the 1700s when the Wizard of Oz became a movie and you look behind the curtain and there's actually the man behind Oz. Like, that's kind of what I wanted to do with this book. And I love this quote. You were quoted in an article recently about the new book saying that you wrote it to be the opposite of Instagram on Instagram, you look and see all the beautiful things people are doing all of the time. I wrote this book to show the opposite, that most of life is not about the wins. Actually, most of life is the rough spots and the failures that get us to the wins. Yeah, I think the 1% is actually the cool part. Like what we see, 99% is actually everybody else. Our successes are just a tiny bit and we get to hold them up and, and celebrate them so it looks like it's a bigger part of us than it really is. And so that's not real life. Our real life's not 1% of our life. It's not the, the cool things that we get to do. Our real life is all the little things it takes uh, to, to buy the refrigerator or car tires or uh, you've you got to buy an oven. And it's just not glamorous. That's what being an adult is. You know, and that's most of our life, having to pick our kids up and you know, figure out how to get them to practice. And so it's not Instagram. And I love Instagram. And I try to be cool on Instagram. not very good at being cool on Instagram yet, but... Like, I get it. I'm also involved in that circle, too. But if anything, I kind of wanted to show people that it, it, it's a game. It, it all is a game, and you're only tricking yourself if you believe it. What is success to you at the end of the day? Being fulfilled by what I do. And, I, you know, I 
have struggled with this concept a lot, especially early in my career, because success to me at first was being able to get out of my area. Then it was being the first person to graduate college in my family. Then it was to buy my mom a house and and a a couple acres of land. Um, And so it was always those things at first because it was things I didn't have. But now what I found that I don't have a lot of the time that I'm chasing is just fulfillment. And I think I've found it in doing what I love. I've been able to create a platform with my listeners to be able to give back. You know, as a kid, if it weren't for a lot of groups, church groups, PTA groups, helping me even eat or get Christmas presents, like I wouldn't be here. And so for me, I think a lot of that fulfillment is being able to give back. You know, we um, just something we did last week was we were able to buy six service dogs for members of the military. And these dogs cost $20,000 each. Oh my gosh. Right. And who knew, right? Like I had the same reaction. Like I have have dogs. They they cost like $13. Right. But like (laughs) real dog, like service dogs who are trained to, to help with our service members who come back with PTSD or brain injuries or physical injuries, they cost $20,000 and you can't, who can afford that? So what we did on the show is we put it, we have a t-shirt. We didn't keep any of the money from it. And we have this brand called Pimp and Joy. And we said, Hey, we're going to put these Pimp and Joy shirts up and our listeners we made $120,000 and bought six service dogs. So for me, that's been where the fulfillment is when I can actually help others because I feel like I have a debt to pay back because I was helped and I wouldn't be, you know, walking around right now in my cool living room with my TV mounted on the wall unless it was for people actually showing up on Thanksgiving going, here's some food for you to actually eat. So right. that, that's what it is for me. You've also really helped a lot of young stars cultivate their talents and you were recently a mentor on American Idol. Talk to us about that whole experience and how that even came about, because that's one of the coolest things I could think a person could do. And you must have felt like you really made it at that point. Well, I don't know that I ever felt like I made it, but for me, <laughs> in, it was in so many uh, spots in your life you have. I mean, your your uh, resume is just so long of so many different things. Well. I am a super fan of music. And for me, I was not brought here to be the music guy. There are people that work in radio companies, that work in streaming services, that are supposed to be the music programmers. That is not me. I'm someone who uh, I I create content. I try to be compelling. I talk about things that I think my listeners will want to hear me talk about, try to be funny. But inside of that, like I love music so much that I'm always looking for these new artists who I – who I don't think are getting a fair shot. And a lot of that comes, uh, and for me, it's over the last five years, has been a big female movement as well. Like I'm trying as much as I can to change the culture with new female artists. But so for me, it was, I'm putting these artists on my show and with one or two plays, these songs, you know, become a top stream song or top downloaded song. Never the plan was it for me to be this guy who breaks artists. Well, about three or four artists in or a few songs it started to be a thing and I enjoyed it. I just never chased it. Well, after a while I was branded with the the guy who breaks all the new artists, which is a curse and is also awesome at the same time. And so um, American Idol was looking for a mentor and I had this resume of breaking artists, not on purpose. I just loved what they were doing and, and I wanted to get their talent or their message out. And they had asked me to come and be a mentor. I thought it was to be maybe to a mentor to like three kids or a mentor to the top uh, 50, you know, and just wave at them and be like, Hey kids. But they brought me in for uh, 
two episodes to mentor the entire top 24, and they brought me back for the season finale. And so that was so fluid that I'm just now getting to appreciate what I was able to do because it was, it was just so much like, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Okay, we're doing it. Great. Now we're bringing you back. And so it, that was a really uh, amazing experience. And it was such a gift for American Idol. And hopefully I'm going to get to do a lot more with them in the future. But yeah, it, I just now am able to reflect on it and, and see how awesome it was. What's your best advice for somebody who wants to have a career in music now that you've seen so many different artists break into the industry? Well, I would say don't do it. I mean, I, I tell anyone that wants to get in anything creative, don't do it, run away. And if they don't run away, that's how you know they want to do it. Like I tell, if someone has a podcast, if someone's like, how do I get into podcasting? I'm like, oh, you don't want to do that because no one's going to listen. You're going to spend a thousand episodes. And if they still want to do it, that's how I know that they're in it. You know, if they're on episode 60 and they're still grinding it out with a passion. So first, I try to give them the worst case scenario because for most people, that's really what it turns into. There's a reason that everybody wants to do a creative job because it's fun. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, uh, time and hours and effort of nothing happening because there are, everywhere you go, people are better than you. Everywhere I go, people are better than me than what I do. And so I say, hey, you don't want to do it. Once they do want to do it, it's just get in it and get going, you know, especially with something like music. It's go play shows, go find open mics. If it's a podcast, start your podcast, uh, you know, start getting on message board groups um, that, that have similar interests. And so it's just, just get in it, whatever it is that you're going to do. Don't think about it too much about where to start. It's just get started because one, you're going to learn about the process as you're doing it. And two, no one's ever right anyway to begin with. Like, I don't know anyone that just jumped in anything creative and it just worked. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a learning process. And the faster you get started, the more you'll learn. Bobby, who do you most admire if you were to, to come up with somebody that you would say, hey, uh, I would advise a young person to maybe study the life of this person? Who would that be? Well, for me, I'm a huge David Letterman fan. Um, as far as radio goes, like I, Howard Stern was a big part of me going, oh, I don't have to be a guy with a cool voice. You know, I, I, I can just have things to say and opinions. And so those two for me have been my biggest influences, David Letterman, Howard Stern. Um, you know, I think it's in music, find someone that, that speaks to you. And, you know, sometimes you, you can hear lyrics from someone and go, that's exactly how I feel. I think you know, having a mentor that's been in the place that you would like to be, you know, that's a hard thing to find. And if you can find them, really cultivate that relationship. Um, so, you know, the, the the mentor thing is weird. And, and now, oddly, I'm you know, I'm mentoring people on TV um, when I probably could use the most mentorship of all. So uh, that, to me, that you know, that's who I look to. What's going to be next for you since you have so many irons in the fire right now and everything is really successful? And maybe you can't see that from your perspective, but from an outsider's perspective, you've accomplished so much and it'll be interesting to see what comes next for you. Uh, you know, I've spent the last 10 years or so just begging people to put me on TV, just begging. And, I, you know, we've had, I've had three shows get a major pilot, all not make it. I've had scripts get decently far and, but it always takes just a spark for that fire. And I've never stopped. And I don't think I'll ever stop. But for me, one of the cool things is I've, the American Idol project this year has really opened up doors 
to some people seeing me and going, oh, he's actually, there's something about him. We don't know what it is. He's kind of goofy looking, but there's something endearing about him. And for me, the television projects are very exciting. My favorite and what I'll be doing forever is the radio show, the spoken word, the, the audio, because I can do it in long form. I can build a passionate audience. I can show my passions to my audience. And so, you know, I, that part of it will never be lost on me. My favorite part is whatever radio is to you. You know, some people, uh, radio comes through the car, but for me, radio comes through the phone. You know, it can be a podcast or an actual radio show. Radio first. I have a lot of television projects, and I, I can't believe I have a second book that's actually out. Um, so, you know, I think that's going to be exciting next year to see what happens there. And um, we'll see. I mean, right now, I'm going on book tour again for a week and i'm just trying to get through it and get enough sleep each night bobby our show is called nobody told me and we always ask our guests what is your nobody told me lesson i mean what is it that you've learned about in life in your career whatever it might be that nobody told you about that uh, maybe you kind of wish you had been warned about but what's your what's your nobody told me lesson nobody told me that if i just took a sound a clip off youtube and played it on the radio it would result in a $1 million fine. Uh, Cause that's what happened to me. And nobody, I, I've been in a lot of these areas in radio that, because I go out and try things. Um, and I think it's a much broader than just getting the million dollar fine. Cause I got hit with that pretty hard. But I think for me, it was, you know, nobody told me what I could do, you know, and no one said, Hey, you actually can go and uh, take a format that is sitting and is doing well but you can actually take it to a new place. But no one had done it before. No one told me I could. No one told me I couldn't. But nobody told me that it was able to be done. And in my book, I even talk about talking with John Mayer. And he said, hey, man, I learned the world is bendable. I think he's got it like 19 years old. And I also have experienced that feeling of, and, and I didn't have the, the word bendable, but it, I can actually move things around in my life. Like you can actually manipulate, and not in a negative way, but you can actually, you know, Make your life really turn into what you want your focus to be, if it's family, if it's your career. And so nobody told me that, but I don't think it can be told. I think you actually have to just experience it to learn it, and that's where all the book comes in. It's like experience it and keep experiencing it and not being successful at it until you finally understand what it is, and then you decide if you really want to go forward with it. And sometimes you don't, but a lot of times you do. Bobby, this has been such an amazing interview, and we're so appreciative of your time coming on to talk about the book and your story. The book is called Fail Until You Don't, Fight, Grind, Repeat, and it is well worth your time, and it's also gotten all these wonderful reviews in different publications. Bobby is also the host of the wildly popular Bobby Bones Show, and so you can reach him a lot of different ways. Uh, Talk to him online. What's your Instagram handle and your website that people can uh, reach out to you at? Well, Mr. Bobby Bones is all the handles, and I'm on Bumble, and I, uh, I, I, I'm looking for a, a date, um, looking for <laughs> I mean, all, all that. Swipe, swipe right. Oh, yeah, so exactly. is Laura. Laura is, too. <laughs> yes. Hit it. Hit me up. Uh, I feel the pain with Bumble. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's where I am. And, you know, um, I hope people, even if they don't want to check out the book, if they don't want to check out the show, you know, I think that just knowing that what we're seeing, what we're fed, you know, that's not real life. That's the greatest hits. And as long as we know that, the greatest hits are fun. They are fun. Greatest hits are the best. As long as we know those are just the greatest hits, that's not all of it, all the songs. And, you know, that's, that, that's my metaphor for life. I love the greatest hits album, but I realize that's not the normal record. And so as long as we know what's real, 
we can enjoy the great stuff. But, you know, my goal is just to let people know, um, you know, here's the real stuff. That makes the awesome stuff even more awesome. Uh, and I hope people take that from me or the book, or hopefully I inspire someone to do the same. And yeah, thank you guys for talking to me. I really appreciate it too. Well, Bobby, thank you so much. This has really been fun to talk with you and best of luck with the latest book, although I'm sure you don't need it. I do need it all the time. And thank you very much. You guys have a great night. See you later. Okay, you too. That again has been Bobby Bones. His latest book is called Fail Until You Don't, Fight, Grind, Repeat. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You've been listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. 